Well, hello, and welcome to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast, practical advice for an impractical business. I'm your host, Jim Henry. I'm excited to finally announce the release of the Pro Tips book, 50 Pro Tips for Musicians, Practical Advice for an Impractical Business. It contains many of the tips we've discussed here on the podcast, personal insights about each one, and features original illustrations by Ruby Henry. To order your copy today, go to protipsformusicians.com. Funding for this and every show comes from generous listeners who each contribute a small amount every month. Patrons like Dan Tappan, Maria Sangiolo, Bob Fishman, Kristen Andrews, the good folks at Club Passim and The Parlor Room are just a few of the listeners who contribute because they believe in the podcast. This ongoing support makes it possible for me to continue to produce shows. For as little as $2 a month, you can be a part of the Pro Tips family. In return, you'll get access to outtakes, music, and videos not available anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash jimhenry to find out more, or to make a one-time only donation, go to protipsformusicians.com. Today's show will be a little bit different. I recently spent an afternoon talking and playing with two of my favorite drummers, J.J. O'Connell and Doug Flavin. Both have been in the music business for well over 25 years and have traveled the world playing pop, rock, blues, folk, swing, hip-hop, techno, and probably even polka music. They've played on countless recordings, including film and television soundtracks, and toured with artists ranging from Joan Baez to nerdcore rapper MC Frontalot, the Young at Heart Chorus, to recent Grammy nominee Mary Gaucher. Both have a unique perspective on drumming and percussion, and I thought it would be fun and informative to have them talk about and demonstrate different aspects of rhythm. Rhythm is what propels a song, gives it depth, excitement, and a groove or a feel. Yet for most people, musicians included, it's hard to appreciate the nuance of what drummers are actually doing. My hope is that today's show will strengthen people's understanding and rhythm vocabulary, so it's easier to get ideas across and make your music feel the way you want it to feel. So let's say hello to Doug Plavin and J.J. O'Connell. Well, hello, fellows. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. How are you? Very good, thanks. Yeah. Doing just marvelously. So let's just identify who's who. This is J.J. Hello, everybody. And here's Doug. Hello. Right, so those are the voices that go with the... The sounds. <laughs> well, thanks for coming and doing this. This is great. You brought all this stuff with you. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. It doesn't take much to fill this room up. No, it's it's a small but mighty room, and you guys have done a great job. So let tell you what, let's start off with the Steve Earle tune, City of Immigrants. And we have, right at the moment, we have Doug Flavin on the drum kit, and we have J.J. O'Connell on the percussion set. Let's see what the hell happens. So Doug's going to hook us up here.
sleeps. My heart keeps time to a thousand beats, singing in languages I don't speak, living in a city of immigrants. up to the sky and then they tumble back down to earth again living in a city that never quits living in a city where the streets are paved with good intentions and people's faith a sacred promise a statue made living in a city of immigrants city of black city of white city of light city of innocence <laughs> An abrupt ending, but still great. And that's fun playing with all this stuff. That's really powerful. Let's talk about what you got in front of you right now, JJ. You have all kinds of stuff in front of you. Yeah, I do. Um, this is typically what I bring to the Young at Heart Chorus band. Um, it's like your percussion kit. Yes, my yeah. percussion kit. I try to keep this as separate from my regular drum kit um, as possible. So... I have an auxiliary snare that is a piccolo snare with a, a splash symbol, a trashy splash symbol on top that sounds like... <laughs> that does sound trashy. <laughs> I have uh, various tambourines that I either hit or shake. Uh, another splash symbol for, for accents and crashes. Mm -hmm. I have a wood block, or, or not made out of wood, it's called a blast block or a jam block. It's made by LP. It's a has that kind of... Uh -huh. clave kind of sound uh, then I have a little conga that I use it's a I think it's a Ricky Ricardo model <laughs> conga <laughs> like it's literally kinda, I think it really yeah. is called the Ricky the, the Ricardo Ricky model <laughs> conga I could be wrong about that but it's the same if you picture the show when he oh, walked sure. in Lucy I'm home or whatever Baba Lou. Baba Lou. <laughs> exactly. that's um, yeah so that's it's a small conga because uh -huh. um, I don't try to bring too much stuff but then I end up bringing all this I have a right. cowbell I have some, uh, everybody knows what a cowbell is. Yep. Uh, I have some chimes. Nice uh, in pretty moments of songs. That's a nice thing to add yep. in. I also have a small floor tom for some tribal kind of feels or whatever. And then I have a bunch of things to shake and make different kinds of noises with. Um, What's that whistle? <laughs> it's like it's a nice to have. Bird. Yeah, it is like a little bird. <laughs> I don't know. I try to bring, I bring probably more things that I need, but if I'm doing a session, you never know what you're going to need. Right. In, in, in the Young at Heart percussion setup, there's a drummer and then I play percussion. There's certain things that, that, that he can't cover by himself, so I try to add that in. That's usually why I have the snare drum and the, and the floor tom to just sort of add fills and right. things like that. Cool. Yeah, That's, it's, a, it's impressive. It's impressive. <laughs> And so, Doug, you're sitting behind a, a more standard kind of kit. That Wanted is to true. Run through the different the different sounds there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really a lot 
of focus on the kick and snare because mm-hmm. especially with music that's very song oriented i mean that's the basic timekeeping vehicle mm-hmm. you know it's a good place to start if you're laying basics in the recording studio um but yeah kick and then this snare is actually pretty low it's a very low pitch snare so it has just a little more body a little more depth kind of um, trashy sounding too actually. yeah i mean i can i can mute it more i can even have something else that i can put on it like this to give it even more probably can't hear the difference yeah, but it, it'll difference, but... it'll change it'll change the attack mm-hmm. so a lot of times with plastic drum heads you know you just get this harsh attack which for rock music is great because right. it cuts through um but you know for i think in a in a perfect world we would have calfskin heads oh, that right. didn't that weren't affected by weather because really there wouldn't even be rock and roll without plastic drum heads. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do it. Is that what they, they used to be calf scan? Yeah. Really? Like yeah. the drums used to be. Yeah. I mean, it was Absolutely. in the fifties. Remo belly. Yeah, exactly. Was the guy who invented Remo drum heads. And there was a he, lot of maintenance involved with them as well. They would detune and tune depending on the weather. I mean, that's same, probably the same for, for plastic heads too, but the, there was a trick that you could wet the, the head down a little bit, the calfskin head, and that would help to tighten it a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, that sounds like a pain in the ass. It was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it was a, a lot of work, yeah, and they weren't as durable, obviously, as the the plastic stuff, right, the plastic right. things we have. Yeah. So, a lot of that is just really, I mean, inherent in the sound is a certain amount of attack when you have a plastic drum head. But then there are things that we can put over the drums to soften to the soften the attack, to soften to to mute the decay and you know things some, like that ever, so you know do you ever play this the snare without the snare oh thing? yeah i mean you know it sounds more like a like a, like a tom or sounds a, like a tom tom yeah uh you know high-pitched tom tom but um and i do have a regular you know generally if i were to come to a session i'd bring a few different snare drums just right. to give a few different, different. options mm-hmm and well, uh, so then, what else you got there but ah but here's the special this <laughs> is the so this is a this is a it's a floor tom, but it's actually uh, a 1970s Slingerland parade drum that I bought on eBay for like $80. And it right was on. just, it was irresistible. It's like, how bad can it be? You know? And so when I, when I play it as a floor tom, I mean, it just sounds like a floor tom. Yeah. And then I can also add snares and get this kind of. Wow. So it's really cool. For That's like cool. A, that is cool. For like a. Yeah. So it has like a really trashy, it's, and you know, it'll get people's attention because they've been hearing this other snare and suddenly like the groove just has a very different quality to yeah. it. Um, so yeah, and you know, cymbals, hi-hats. I've only got one cymbal set up because right, we're, small setup. We're, we're crowded here at Ruby Tone. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that's... So that's, cool. And that's you also, idea. you play percussion too. You have sort of a... Uh, uh, yeah, I'll play like cajon. I'm really not. I'll tell you, I I started playing hand drums when I was younger, and I just developed all kinds of problems in my fingers. Even no matter how light or heavy I played, it's just I would have like a lot of tendon problems with my fingers. So I sort of made the conscious decision to not just get too many with with yeah. hand drums, yeah. uh, shakers and stuff. I've got more shakers, but I didn't bring them because because we have JJ. Voila, we have JJ. <laughs> a lot of that so thing. you play you play both too you play percussion and you play kit yeah uh, yeah w- ha- so how 
how do you approach that differently? Like, what's different about that? Um, well, kind of like what Doug was saying, the, the drum kit is the is kind of the timekeeper. That's the you know what everybody's playing off of. Where as the percussion can can do that, but also add some extra color that maybe a drum kit doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not everybody plays with a cowbell. Not everybody has. Chimes. Everybody should play with a cowbell. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> that's another debate for another time. <laughs> but yeah, I think I look at it as just extra colors. The, you know, things right. that uh, a, a drum kit. You know, the kick and the snare that that drives the song. That that is the the thing that everybody's kind of latching onto. So the with some extra percussion, I'm a giant fan of tambourine and a chorus. Right. That just takes the chorus and just. Snaps it up a little bit. It doesn't. It doesn't take much at all to right. just change. Yeah, you, a chorus. you and the Beatles are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm a giant fan of. I'm also a fan of like all the Motown <laughs> stuff where there was a guy in the corner playing a tambourine through the entire song. He never stopped playing, and I I'm, I'm a sucker for that. I really enjoy that kind of. I don't know what do they say. Uh, um, bright, you know, uh, high pitched things mean excitement. Kind right. Of thing. Um, right. 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 That's kind of. But, you know, Kunga's hand drums will also give forward motion. So mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, if, if it's just a backbeat and quarter notes on the hat, then you get the giddy up with right the Kungas. So and let's, that, let, and that you know changes. What, let, let's uh, d- let's play what you just said. Sure. Because I, a lot, I mean, a lot of people, myself included, don't know how to always say Kung. what we're looking for uh, and, from, a, from, from drums and drummers. So... The basic beat you just described, so say I'm it again and then play it. Exactly. <laughs> no? So I'm going to just play like quarter notes. Your basic rock beat. Basic I'll, rock beat, right. I'm, kind of fi- I'm sort of filling in on the ands with my foot, and that gives it some movement, you know what I mean? So it's not just tick, but instead of it's like... Uh-huh. And it gives... That gives it some forward motion in itself right. because we're not hearing the foot, the the foot uh, tap as much. We're focusing more on the. And then, if you want to add some, yeah, show some gallop. So here we were, go. So let's confronted get some, with that sort of. <laughs> yeah, beat. So what would you do be on some There's a million things to do, but I'll try this. So this will be like some giddy up, and you can add some yeah. tambourine, whatever. So we'll just. just want to play they just want to play <laughs> <laughs> so yeah two drummers in a room that's I know, it's, tough to keep them quiet yeah yeah like it's sound check <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and actually you know speaking of sound check yeah. I, I, one thing I, I i thought would be important is that like everybody in the band if you play an electric instrument um if you're amplified you can always adjust where you are you can always adjust where your amp is you can always adjust your monitoring if you're playing a, an acoustic drum kit, and even if you have it, you know, kind of padded down, it's still like you can't get away from that. You can't right. change the position of your head relative to your kit. Right. Sure. So, you know, in terms of 
in terms of sound check, drummers have a lot more to contend with, you know, just in terms of their own thing. You know, it's not like we can turn the tone down, you know, right. turn the bass down or turn the treble up. You know, we can do the best to make our kit, you know, conducive to the music and to the acoustics of that particular room, but you can't we, you can't get away. It's not right, like an yeah. amp where you can turn it away from you a little bit if you're hearing yourself too loud or you're not hearing yourself loud enough. Right. So well, you can walk away from your amp and hear how it sounds further away. Exactly. I also, I, I, you probably would, Doug, you'd agree with this too. Get someone else to play your drum kit and walk out into the room and hear what it sounds like. You have an idea. You, know, you can't get up and walk away and hear right. what your drums sound right. like. You have to get someone else to play them. Yeah. So and preferably it, it, a there's not always time for that, obviously, yeah. <laughs> right. Preferably a drummer, just because <laughs> non-drummers don't know how to hit. I mean, they'll, right. they'll lay into the head too much. Right. And so someone who knows how to hit the drum reasonably well, right. just to give you a sense. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody, uh, everybody at Soundcheck is trying to accomplish the same thing, yeah. and anything that we can do to help each other right. make that happen is, is going to be right. helpful. Well, that's a super valuable pro tip. I should put that in a book. <laughs> Thank God you did. <laughs> well, that, that experience happens so many oh, yeah. times. Yeah, we were. Actually, we, we should go over at some point. We should go over like how a drummer should drum should sound check their drums. That, that's that's something I think we should we should look at. Let's I'm tell sure, me. Let, <laughs> well, well, I mean, let's well, do it right now. Yeah. Well, well. So okay, sound man will say kick. You know. You know. Exactly. <laughs> this isn't the time to practice your your double bass right, chops. Just, you right. know, one solid quarter note kind of, and, and that that applies to all the other drums. Same thing with the snare. Same thing with the rack tom, the floor tom. When he gets to the hi hat, three closed and one open. Yeah. That you know they're looking. You're, you're trying to help the sound guy help you, so or a sound person I should say. Yeah. Um. So and those are that was. Just some engineers that along the way have told me that's that's the way to do it. When they, when they ask for the whole kit, that's not the time to practice your Neil Peart fills. You know, that <laughs> play a simple rock beat and, <laughs> and exactly. It's deliberate. It's boring as a drummer. It can be boring, but in the end, you're helping the the, the person who's going to make you sound however you happen to sound in the room. It's going to give them a better chance of right. doing that. Yep. Yeah, well, and it's true for you know other other all the instruments too. You know when you're when you're, yeah, the guitar player. You don't need to you know do all the pyrotechnics. You just hit some, play as loud as you're going to play, play as soft as you're going to play. All right. Yeah. Well, let's. I really wanted to talk about how to um, how you guys come up with. You, you hear a song for the first time. Let's say a singer songwriter. How, how do you come up with a groove? For something like where what what is it that you're listening for uh and you know what how, how where do you start with that and if somebody says okay this is a you know let's say it's a finger picking type song you know some, kind of something soft that you normally wouldn't you know have a lot of 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 uh, drums on but they want you to play drums on it so like yeah where how, how, like, what's going on in your heads is what I'm trying to figure out. I, mean, I always look at it as the song tells you what to play. Uh -huh. However someone's playing towards you is, is going to be the information that you're getting. And so if, if someone's, say, finger-picking, for example, that's fairly busy. Right. So that, that's the time to not be busy, you know, unless somebody, you know, it, it, there's, there's fluid dynamics through the whole thing. If the songwriter knows what they want and then can explain it, then maybe they want something fast over this fast finger-picking thing. But right. I think the initial... 
the initial when you hear our song for the first time, I personally go for the simplest thing can, that can actually work to dry to help propel the song, and then from there you can build on it. But mm-hmm. start simple, start the simplest easy. thing. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I th- and Doug has mentioned this before too, like the st- the type of strum, the how how a person is playing. They've spent the time crafting this, and so that 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 strum, their 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 percussive element as they're playing their guitar singing or whatever it is that lends to what you should play mm-hmm. in my opinion absolutely mm-hmm. i mean one thing and you know it's not rocket science but you know i'll sometimes i'll just say well what's the song about right. <laughs> oh, sure. what's the song i mean like you know i mean is this you know you can do something that's more counterpoint to what the song is about. i mean you know if it's a really a gentle song about a baby you know <laughs> heavy metal drums could that's a, great, that's a great point. That's a great point. But, you know, finding out what the song is about, um, you know, uh, John Sands is one of my favorite drummers. He's a Boston guy, plays with uh, Amy Mann, and he just has, like, his his time, his groove is so insistent without being too concussive, you know? Mm-hmm. it's He's just got a great groove, and, like, his fi- the figures that he plays are just generally the bare minimum yeah like just to make the figure really swing or you know to facilitate the figure mm-hmm. if it's a group solely you know like da 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 you know he's not going to go like all the drumnastic stuff that annoys people especially songwriters you know you don't you don't want to do that but he's a great example but generally if it's i just try not to replicate what the guitarist is doing I mean, if you strum it, if there's like a jinga, 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 like a, a real eighth note kind of mm-hmm. thing, I'll try to focus on the quarter notes, but also focus on that that eighth note movement. How much is it swinging? Is it really kind of almost not robotic, but you know, very straight eights, mm-hmm. or is? And actually, today, today is the seventh anniversary of. Tommy Artolino's death. Oh, I saw Tommy that, yeah. Artolino was one of my f- absolute mm-hmm. favorite drummers. I mean, I never played eighth notes the same way after I heard him. So what does that mean? You never uh, played eighth notes the same so, way. So it's really and the idea between just a straight... So that's, that's straight t- t- eights. Straight that's eights. Straight eights. Yeah. Now I can do this, which is also pretty, pretty straight. Right. But I'm splitting it up between two... Sounds so right. it, it it creates some movement, but then I could do, you know. Tommy Tommy swung. He could swing like yeah. I mean, nobody's business. So a straight eighth groove would just be like. Right. And a Tommy Artolino would be like. It has this. Right, it's got a swimmy. It's got sounding. this sort of yep. rollicking, kind of swampy. rolly, swampy, swampy yeah. eighth note feel. Right. And I love that. Drummer, <laughs> good drummers love that kind of stuff oh, yeah. because it creates nuance and it creates, I don't know, it just creates personality and character in the music. Cool. Well, let's uh, let, let's let's play a little something. Uh, if we can get swampy like that. Mm. Two, three.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you were gonna now now play it straight. Right? Yeah. So one, two, three, four. Yeah, it so it's definitely straighter. Have, That's how I would play the drums. <laughs> and it's sort so there's of like, a time and a place for that. Right. There's, you know, it's not like you... There's certain places that you have to play straight. on top of the beat, right on the thing. Right. I mean, yeah. it's especially playing to a click track or something like that. But and, and the bass player has to really pump those quarters, mm. or the groove is just going to sag like an old mattress. And right. It's not no, I was going to want to talk a little bit about that, about... about uh, how bass playing or bass players figure into this, figure into your mindset at all. Like, so, um, so how do they figure into your mindset? <laughs> I know. I couldn't They're just figure. some person standing next to you while you're playing. <laughs> yeah, sucking up the extra dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sucking up your kick drum sound, too. Yeah, right. Um, so the kick, so the kick, the, the bass and the kick are almost always like playing pretty much the same thing is that is that true close there's probably more uh, the bass players playing maybe more more things in between each kick drum hit but for the most part yeah the, the uh, someone who a bass player that locks in with your right foot or if left foot if you're left left-handed <laughs> um you know that's that's gold you know and, well, so then the bass goes with the kick and the guitar acoustic guitar goes with the hi-hat probably is that true it really depends on the song, and it really mm. just kind of depends on the arrangement. Um, there's no hard and fast rules in my book, but I think generally what I try to do, um, again, it's really boring if the kick and the bass are just together the whole right. time, you know? Right. So sometimes it's really cool for the bass to anticipate, you know, boom, 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 and, but the kick doesn't do that, right. yeah. except... For maybe just like right before the chorus, right, you know, to moment. add yeah, some energy. Because if the if it happens all the time, it's it just disrupts the groove and it gets boring. Yeah. Basically, huh. the drums are really the governor a lot of the times of the volume, but also of the groove of the song. I think a lot of people want to know how do you communicate that to a drummer when you don't have the vocabulary. Mm. Um, like what is what is helpful to you? to hear from from somebody who's if, if somebody can mouth drum it sounds like or it sounds like whatever <laughs> that's a that's a good place to start you know yeah. if you don't have the vocabulary and but you know inside of your head you're the songwriter and you know somewhat of how it's supposed to sound um then the, you know mouth drumming or hitting a table or, or any anything is a good start you know that, or playing an example like hey you know i really exactly. like the vibe on this record and I don't know what it is, but listen to this. Mm -hmm. And so that'll sometimes. No, a lot get of me... singer songwriters will do that. They'll give you an example. It sounds a little bit like Los Lobos is something or other. At least you have some place to start from. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, I've had. Um, actually, I was when I was working with Brooks Williams years ago um, on his first few records. He, you know, he on the first record that I worked on, he didn't know anything about drums, and then we worked together, and it's sort of gave him ideas and then he wrote his next batch of songs with drums in mind the nice. problem was is that he was playing the drum part on the acoustic guitar <laughs> so and no then, room for you there yeah and i think kind of what that did was it really opened me up to okay so with a singer songwriter you can either play to what they do or 
you get a producer who knows, has good arranging skills and will then say, okay, well, the, the guitar part should be this. And so the drums can do this and give the appropriate attitude and energy. And we have to change the guitar part, at least for the record. Right. Know, because many singer-songwriters don't play with the band all the time. Right. So in terms of the arrangement, I find that it really helps to just, you know, obviously you don't want the guitar and the drums sort of functioning the same way in terms of... The sure, they have to play off each other a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they need there needs to be that interplay. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the bass. I mean, it's when it's really working well and people are playing really well together, you know, sometimes that will eliminate the need for a click track. Right. <laughs> you right. Know? But it'll also, you know, because it's more important for people to play together than to be metronomically in time. So it's so just... How do, how do you deal with it when you're playing in a band and, and the timing, people start to drift off and are, are not staying together? Like... Is it's kind of your job to sort of rein people back in normally, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. On, yeah, I mean, sometimes a, a singer-songwriter might like the chorus to be a little faster or might like things to set back in, in the bridge or whatever no, it is. No, I'm thinking about a, is it more in a band where things are going astray. Wrong. Things are about to go off the, the tracks there a little bit. Yeah. Do you have, I mean, is that... You kind of well. I mean, I in. I guess I can speak for myself. Because everybody say, blames the drummer when that well, happens. Yeah, <laughs> and, and well, that, and that's okay. That's that's fine. Um, you, I, you know, I might dig in a little bit harder as uh -huh. like here's the one kind of a thing. Um, and see if that works. Sometimes <laughs> that might not work. <laughs> you, you know, just trying to be maybe a little bit more emphatic about what the time is. Is, is you're the drummer. You're the you're the person quote-unquote, keeping the time. Right. So if someone's squirrely or a little bit, you can add something in that that'll, might get their attention. Right. You'd be like, here's where we are, or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> come back and join us kind of thing. Right. I mean, um. it's generally I will give more eighth note. If someone is just really losing it, sure. and, you know, rather than pounding on the kick drum, I'll just try to give something that subdivides with enough, with the appropriate attitude and energy to help kind of rein people in uh as opposed to playing just quarter notes i'll just i'll you know maybe double up sure on the ride or you know, whatever just to give people like a sense of where okay this is where it should be i mean it really depends i mean sometimes uh, i mean in terms of like how to handle it you know politically <laughs> socially culturally <laughs> oh that's all you know i just yeah. say well you know james brown said Everybody in the band is a drummer. You know, everybody functions as a drummer. And when we do that, you know, and again, it's not metronomic. It's that we're feeling the same amount of space in between those quarter note hits. We, we can, it's like artists uh, that know a lot about color. You know, when they first started, they didn't, they only had maybe, you know, 20, 20 shades of red. But the better you get, then you you expand it to like two hundred shades right. of red. You can see those gradations, and that's a mental thing, and it's an experience thing, I think. But in terms of feeling it in between and helping people, that's what I'm trying to do: is help people feel the space in between the hits. Right. It's kind of like the difference between a metronome with a flashing red light, where it's going tick tick tick, and all you're focusing is on the. <laughs> Whereas, like if you watched a metronome, you're seeing that oh, sweeping sure. back and forth, right. so you're almost winding up 
Yeah, there's it's a little more like space that, to play with. There's a little, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're hearing more space in between. Right. So that sort of eighth note or eight eight feel is really much more. Well, that, that leads me to a question. Do, do you practice, one, and two, do you practice with a metronome? Either, Shall I go first? Either, either one of you. <laughs> if I'm lucky enough to be playing a lot, then I don't necessarily practice. Yeah. Um, and the greatest metronome that a drummer has is your blinker in your car. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have a lot of steering wheel practice when that blinker's on sitting at a red light. I don't particularly sit down at a kit with a metronome and always play. But I'm also fortunate that I do play with some artists. I play with a, a person named MC Frontalot, who is a, a rapper. And a lot of his, a lot of the times I'm playing to tracks. So I'm playing with a metronome. Or if I play with Mark Miller's outfit, Out Out, which is an industrial band, I'm playing to tracks. I have headphones on. So I'm playing to a metronome. Um, so I have those opportunities to do. Right. But if I had my choice, Playing drums by, I don't know about you, Doug, but playing drums by yourself can be really boring. <laughs> you need, it's yeah. greater, to, even if it's playing with another drummer, if it's playing with someone singing in the room, clapping, just that playing that by yourself, it just gets so sterile after yeah. a while. And that's just my own personal take on it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the only drummer who's, I wouldn't even call myself a frustrated guitar player, but I mean, I hear <laughs> guitar like a lot. And I hear things that, you know, that's. Like, I don't hear drums so much. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. like being in a drum circle is not really my idea of, you know, how I interpret music. I mean, I do, I do practice because if I don't, and I've had some issues, like, with my right leg, uh, just because I'm a cyclist and a runner, and so I realize, like, wow, things are kind of tightening up, and if I don't sit down and just play regularly, so... Again, JJ, you have the good fortune of, of gigging a lot and playing a lot, and I'm not playing out as much right now. Um, but, uh, folks, you can call me. At, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that. But, but the idea of, I mean, playing, being you at your, being at your instrument a lot really, really helps because drums are such a physical thing, and it's like any kind of muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. Right. And so there's a certain amount. I, I do, I love playing with a click. I mean, I've played in bands live that use a click and that mm-hmm. use backing tracks. And it's, I really enjoy it in some ways. It kind of takes a little bit of pressure off. <laughs> well, especially if it's not just beep, beep, right. beep. But if it's like a tambourine or a, or a whole percussion part yeah. or a, you know, a backing tracks in, the, in, in certain things can involve the bass, the keys. It has all those things. And it's like another member of the band that you get to play with right. that has impeccable time. <laughs> impeccable time. Yeah, and just learning to relax. You know, I think that's, that's the thing uh, I find that is if I'm not playing a lot, and then I sit down, I just notice how much tension I'm holding in my body. So right now I'm, I'm playing, I'm practicing a lot and I have a little, I have a recording studio in my house so I get to kind of play producer and do all kinds of stuff. You get to so play some fun. guitar probably. I play some guitar yeah. and then, you know, bass and keyboards and all that stuff. But in, in general, I really find that there's, uh, you know, because drums are so physical, if you're, like if I go for like weeks without playing and I sit down... Oh yeah, you can't st- also in, in, in just an aside from the in, in just the physical part of it, stretching and mm-hmm. warming up is yeah. is a huge thing. Yeah. And sitting down to drums and just starting to play at the beginning of a show, it takes like four or five songs before right. you, you you should, if you're given the chance and have mm-hmm. the opportunity and the time, 
I stretch my hands like um, I, I do it almost unconsciously, just sitting in front of the TV or something. Yeah. I'm just constantly stretching the hands because yeah. Um, yeah. that's your <laughs> that's what holds the sticks. That's <laughs> yeah. and, and, they, and they can't be tense, no matter exactly. how hard you're playing. You gotta have that. That's you hard. It's hard to do. Yeah, and it's hard for I. I'm always amazed at guitar players, you know, especially ones that are really physical, and it looks like they're really digging in, but you can't play in tune when you're digging yeah, in. Yeah, right. right. No matter what. Well, wasn't style. it said that John Bonham, which is one of my favorite drummers ever, it looks like he is just beating the crap out of the drums. He played fairly lightly. Yeah. I mean, he he used smaller sticks. I mean, he didn't pound the drums but it looks like he's pounding the drums but that was his physicality yeah. but actual volume on the drum i mean he played loud drums but he wasn't really playing as hard as everyone thinks right and he tuned his kick drum so high like people don't realize like he really mm. cranked that thing. What, so what does that do it just gives it more pow you know instead of thud <laughs> you know that's why it's like boom, boom, you know it just has that boom but but with that a different uh, a different quality of high end. So why doesn't everybody do that now? Because they don't feel very good when you play them. For one thing, they yeah, funny. There, there, there's so much uh, you know response from the drum that it feels weird sometimes. Like a cranked up snare drum, you you sort of lose a little bit of that whack that feel that you have that fat stick feel. I don't know how to describe it better than it that. It makes the note shorter. There if you, you know go. what I mean. And mm -hmm. so it, like this. Obvious, like you know, that's the snare that I'm playing today is a pretty, it's a relaxed fit note, you know, it's it's <laughs> relaxed. So versus you know, like a piccolo snare, you right? Know? I mean, it's just it's going to function differently in the groove because it takes up more or less space, especially in the recording uh, process. Hi everybody, sorry to interrupt the show, but we'll get back to JJ and Doug in just a second. I want to let you know that these podcasts require an enormous investment of time on my part. Each show takes about 40 hours to put together. That includes research, travel, recording, editing, mixing, time to manage the websites, the rewards, and the social media. By contributing as little as $2 a month, you'll be helping me keep the podcast alive. Go to patreon.com slash jimhenry or... For a one-time only donation, go to protipsformusicians.com. Every little bit helps. Now let's get back to JJ and Doug. Wasn't that great about the drums? So many options. There are a lot of incredible options. options. Right. Detune one lug on a snare drum. Huge change in, in sound and tone. How, and that's just one lug. On you, I mean, there's how so hard many... would it be to do that? Would it well, you, know, totally... can, you know, uh, I mean, I could crank this. Uh, I can crank this piccolo up if you wanted me to. Right. If you want. So now it's tuned up. You can hear how the, the, the note is shorter. Yeah. It doesn't have Sharper, sustain. It's kind of. Bap, bap, and it's done. And right. right now I have the, the snares kind of loose, but if you cranked up the snares a little bit. Right. And it less so much less sustain. Right. More like a march of marching right. snare drum. So do you have to, do you spend much time tuning these things? I, I spend a lot of time tuning my snare, and it's main, mainly for the room. Right. Small right. room, don't, you don't need a, a big, super tight cranking snare drum. Right. But a big, giant room where you need to project, and and it and depends on what amplification there is. And it depends on the kind of style of music. If you're playing some blues, you're not going to have a piccolo cranked up deep, deep, right. deep kind of <laughs> snare. You know? it, so it, it's, it, very, it fluctuates. But I personally, I just try to... 
the toms can can sound the way they are. You can spend a lot of time tuning toms to to different notes and whatever. But the snare drum to me is the one that's that's the kick in the snare is what's driving it. So I I, I mess with my, the tuning of my snare drum more than anything else. Is there a particular uh, note or tuning that is that people just use? Like you know, you tune the. Not really. I mean, you're really trying to get the drum in tune with itself, and that's what I do at home when I change heads. That's really important. Getting getting the drum, like just like with guitar strings, if if they're slipping, and you don't wind them right, right, it's it's a pain. Same thing with drum heads. If you don't seat the drum head well, meaning that you're putting it evenly, getting the head in tune with itself, and applying some pressure. I even take like a heat gun and go around and help. And it, which helps, helps the mylar kind of conform to the bearing edge, that the, the, the part of the shell. And speak of the drum. English, dude. <laughs> <laughs> part of the shell. Do you ever, but I don't know if you, I do this uh, for toms especially, is um, crank them, uh, and once you get it seated correctly, yeah. crank them as high as they'll go and leave them overnight. I used to do and then that. Come back the next day. And I used to do that. If you got the time to do it. I used to do that, and now I use a heat gun, which works a lot better. Sure. Um, I, I find and and then and then on the gig, that's when I mess around. I'm, I'm maybe I'll detune a lug top or bottom. Just you know, if I'm getting a weird like buzz out of my snare. Mm-hmm. Oh, and with snares, it's there's a, um, okay. So everyone knows what a snare drum is, <laughs> and then you have like these little wire guys right. going across the bottom head. What you have on either side of that of those snares is something you're. There, there are lugs on either side of those those, those snares, mm-hmm. and the snares actually fit on something called a snare bed, which is sort of. And you might want to get this. Up, Jim's eyes but, are glazing. I over know right what. Now. Uh-huh. No, no, we don't need to go there. But 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 but, but <laughs> here's. But you know what? But this what? is where it matters because if if the snares are just sympathetically ringing with everything and it's a super live room, right. <laughs> what does the drummer have to do to get rid of that without completely killing, you know, putting duct tape over the snares or something? But one thing that you can do is detune the lugs on either side of the snare bed, and that will help. So you're just changing just, the resonant frequency, I'm, Yeah, I'm just ch- I'm, 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 I'm trying to break up the resonant right. frequencies of that bottom right. head. And that's, so that's that, a, lot, a lot of times when, you're, when your bass player's amp is right next to, next your, to you, get, yeah. you know, snare drum, and all every time he hits a note, it's snare buzz. <laughs> right. That, that's a great time to try to fix some tuning on the bottom head. Yep. Because it's, you know, I'm sure you've done this before, too. In the middle of a quiet part of song, you, take the, you throw off your snare, so it's... So it's just no snare sound. Exactly. And then when you, you, you go to hit the first you note, you forget it's <laughs> boing. And then you go, oh, and snap it back on. Happens so much. Yeah. Man, there's a lot of, there's a lot to drums. Aren't Drumming ain't there? easy. No, it's not easy. Well, the drumming part's easy. It's the yeah. equipment that's a pain. There you go. Yeah. So you both sing and play the drums as well, which seems a, a remarkable feat to me because you have to, you turn your head. Well, you do, JJ. Yeah, I do. Like I sing like to my a, left, like uh, Levon, right? Mm-hmm. You know what he used to do. You don't do you, you uh, don't really a little bit. Head. I mean, just because most of the time when I am singing, I'm playing my hat, right? You know, so it. Um, but I'm. It's still more front on, just right. because it. Uh, what's that's so what works for JJ? Me. What's why do you do it to the side? What's that about? I've always wondered. Why, um, I think it's just mostly where I got comfortable with how I, I'm not comfortable with a microphone on my on the right side of my head. Yeah. So I like to have it on the left, and 
I can't necessarily put it. And if, I mean, if I'm playing with a singer songwriter, it can be right in front of me. But if I'm playing in a rock band and I'm singing and doing big tom fills and sn- it's in I'll the whack way. that, I'll hit oh. that microphone stand. So that's usually why I try to keep it kind of back into my left, and I just sing that way. As a, it would it's better ergonomically to sing straight, kind of straightforward. That's how your neck is oriented. But right. that's just to get it to keep it out of the way from. It's it, and it's more in louder situations, right? Yeah. But to keep it out of the way while I'm singing and not whack. And, and you don't have to look at what you're doing to play, I guess. No, I, I mean I find that playing, singing, and playing simplifies my drumming in a, in a huge way. Huh. Yeah, you won't play you you won't play over right. your own vocal, yeah. you know, right? Or or you just won't go for that. You know, if if you go for that crazy around the house, around the toms fill, right? You you won't necessarily go for that because you're in you're singing. And I I always people always you know I ask the question. I'm sure you do, Doug. How do you do that? How do you play and <laughs> sing and play drums at the same time? Is you sort of put the drumming on autopilot, mm-hmm. and the vocal and the melody and what you need to get across vocally is the is the thing that your your brain is sort of focusing on. Whereas, right. and if you're trying to do something super complicated. You, I, I find it'll mess me up. So, try to drum, simplify the drum part to work for, and serve the song, but also the vocal is important. Right. Yeah. So well, it's the same same with guitar yeah. players too. Yeah, and you know you have to breathing. You have to simplify. Yeah, and I think I mean the way that it helps. I mean certainly singing and playing together really helps, just in terms of, you know, certainly not overplaying, but also just in terms of breathing and just staying relaxed, you know? And, and again, if I'm not playing out a lot and singing, I do have to practice. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like practicing. If you play standing up, practice standing up. Yeah, right. Tip number what? <laughs> yeah, I don't um, remember. And, and that's really true. I mean, I find that, um, you know, when I have more time to do that, then I just relax and everything's much better. You mentioned something about fills just a second ago, and I was wondering if you would... I know that you have the Pat Boone, Debbie Boone <laughs> thing. Is there is there like a whole bunch of those? There's yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, well, I like bucket we, of fish. Can we, well, can we hear a few of those? Do you know what we're talking I about? Have no idea. What you're doing. Um, Do you need the drum kit? Yeah, I probably can would. You switch for a second. Yeah. <laughs> so here, so here is JJ now behind the kit, going to demonstrate a few of his. All right. Famous so there's uh, well, the, the the one that I use the most is Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, which is. Oh, sorry. Um. <laughs> Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. Yep, there's <laughs> Pat, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. Um, uh, without a rack, Thomas, a little thing with this, I call this bucket of fish. <laughs> bucket of fish. <laughs> um, and there's a million more. That's great. Let's see if we can figure out a way actually to have you guys interpret a song mm-hmm. and see what would happen. Like if one of you left the room and we did a little thing and then the other one came back and did it. Okay. You want to try something like that? Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, let me let me think about this for a second. Yeah, okay. You want to you want to go uh, out I'll, first? I'll leave, yeah. And, um, one, two, three, four.
Okay, drummer number one. <laughs> and now switch places. Yeah, I'll switch places. Okay, JJ. Let's see how you interpret this. We put this was like that. What's, what was that game show where you put the contestant in the isolation booth and uh, you know, sixty-four thousand dollar question. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is only worth ninety-eight cents. This one. <laughs> All right. So this is you have you don't know this one. I don't believe we've ever played this. No, one. I can't. I don't think so. And you didn't hear. And you you swear in a stack of Bibles. You didn't hear a whole stack of Bibles. All right. One, two. I want two, three, four. So that's that's it's interesting, you know. It's yeah. just a different. It's like a swishy versus a clickety crack. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, doing... There's a billion ways. You, I mean, that's the thing about rhythm, right? I mean, you, you can subdivide. You can. I mean, it's almost infinite the amount of things that you can do to play with that. Yeah. You. So you were you were doing more kick, I think, than Doug was. Is that true? Yeah, I started with like a little bit of just a yeah. keeping time, and then I went for a, a little bit of a halftime ish. Kind of cool. Feel. Well, let's hear with that. Let's hear. Let's do that with you on back on percussion. Okay. Let's, let's make it a, a more of a jam. See what that feels like. All right. So here we go. Windy and warm now. This is with the whole arsenal here. Well, two. I want two, three, four. should never ever play any gigs without a drummer and a percussionist <laughs> from now on <laughs> all right well let's get to these pesky uh pro tip questions do you have a book with you nearby uh, i can grab one so now we are here everyone is is looking through copies of the pro tips book okay so here's pro tip number six okay once the band settles on an arrangement everyone involved should write it down and or record it that is true this applies to tempos as well. Ah, yes. Because a guitar player has a certain mi in mind of what 
their song should be at a certain tempo. We just ran into this ex- recently, and the recording that I got was not the tempo right. that she wanted, <laughs> and it was really hard for me to find, like, where's the place that you right. really want to... I was like, how about this? This is too fast. Right. How about this? Too slow. It right. was, that's part of the, 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 the pro tip is to, you know, for a drummer... If you have the opportunity, you can right. bring a little metronome with you to the, you know, I have the, there's phone app things that you can have where you can just, you know, when you're writing the set list down, have a little tempo number. Right. So that right before the song starts, you can, uh, a lot of drummers do this too. I mean, there's a lot of guys who right. have pro metronomes, but you can use this on your phone. Right. And, and, and once, once you play with someone for long enough, then you have, you know what the tempo is going right. to be, but, um, no, it makes when sense. When you're first joining a group or first, you know, doing a session or a brand new stuff, songs you've never heard before, if if you have an opportunity to record or uh, you know a rehearsal, pre-production kind of thing, write a tempo down and yeah. have that so that at least you can say, well, at this particular time, this is the tempo you liked. Right. And if you want to change that, that's fine. But at least you have a place to go. To yeah, and if you find a tempo that feels good, you know, it's good to be able to get back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I think also for people writing, so like if you're doing pre-production or even pre-pre-production, like really settle settle on some tempos. Yeah, you know that you can do pretty much, you know, right 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 out of the gate. Right, um, and you can, you can always adjust and change, but it gives you a starting point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that also you know, it's a lot. Some songwriter might hear a song at this particular tempo, and if you say to them. What if we tried this twice as fast? And right. then all of a sudden, their eyes open up like, "Oh my God!" You know, this is <laughs> you're fired. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's Don't tell me what idea. to do, drummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, along those lines, always use a click track. I mean, yeah. I do think that they really make life easier in general. In general, mm-hmm. um, and again, it doesn't give you the little add the gas at the chorus. Although, you know, people have done that. You can that. build they, it in. You can build it yeah. in. You can program or, it in. I mean, in. or you on a session, you can, when it comes to the chorus, you can get on top of the beat a little right. bit, whereas in the verse, maybe you're sitting Hold just back. behind yeah. it. Yeah. Actually, this is something I wanted to talk about, playing behind the beat or in front of the beat. And I know that, can, can we get a demonstration of that? We're going to try this. We're going to try and demo this. If it works, it'll be in the podcast. If it I'll try to, it I'll, won't I'll, I'll make a more consonant sound. So here's a so so what do we so let's let's play uh, on the beat and then and then at some point let's go off the beat or, or behind or the a beat. little behind the beat. Okay. so here we go so this is right right on it and then let's go behind the beat a little bit oh yeah uh-huh so Again, it's it's total ment. It's a very mental game, but the thing is, it's really f- hearing the stuff in between. Yeah, that's what makes it. Or was that's, it Miles that's Davis? what gives you a sense of control, at least as a drummer. But yeah. I think guitar players, you know, especially if you're playing a rhythm guitar part, it's a that, that would be a great great asset, you know, to be able to just be able to place the beat well, and. You know, just being control. Right. Being no, well, control and know it. the difference. Know so the now difference. Let's, let's go. Let's get in front of the beat a little bit. Play on the beat for a minute. All right. Let's get out in front of it a little bit. <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> 
When you're playing right on the beat, yeah. you, you, the click goes away. It yeah. goes away. And yeah. that's the idea, is yeah. that you don't even want to be able to hear it. And But, yeah, I mean... No, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. It's definitely difficult, especially when you're given the time in your head and you're trying to, to mess with that. It's easier, I think, to play behind the beat with other people without a click track. Sure, right. It's easier to kind of set the thing back uh, a little bit. But talk, but talk about relationship with the bass player. Everybody's got to be in on it, on, right, on, right. on the game. Because then it just sounds like the drummer's dragging, and that's not... <laughs> and no one likes and that. And we get blamed like everything <laughs> else in the world. <laughs> Well, it is mostly the drummer's fault. Yeah. All right, but anyway, next. Uh, uh, next shall step? we keep going? Sure. Oh well, th here's one that I I witnessed our, as I was um, guilty of many times as a young drummer, um, which goes with um, pro tip number nine: if you're the opening act, never ever play mm -hmm. more than your allotted time. Mm -hmm. That playing over your allotted time really is a you know that's that's part of it, but. The, the thing that I was guilty of a long, a long time ago was, uh, you know, I'm playing in the opening band and my drum kit is set up in front of the headliner drum kit and I would break my drum kit down on stage. On the stage, right. Big no-no. I learned very quickly after being yelled at a few times <laughs> to never do that. Get your guitar player friends, get your buddies that are sitting in the crowd, come up, grab all of your gear, get it off get the stage, off, yeah. break it down off stage. That's a good good. That's good something, point. yeah. Pro tip number 34. I'm just going to say this right here. You did, you did your homework here. Well, I had some time this morning. <laughs> Always arrange for there to be food on the gig, <laughs> on the road, or in the studio. And I couldn't help but notice, Jim, where's the snacks? Yeah. I haven't eaten anything today. We've been in your studio for hours, and we haven't eaten a thing. <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> no, I have them. They're in the fridge. It's okay. <laughs> I had, a, Busted. I had a feeling. Yeah, I had a feeling this morning when I was like, "Let me call Jim." Well, on you this. know, I, I let me in my own defense. <laughs> let me say that I, I I call I plan this time to be in between meals. So right. So, so I, if you didn't eat beforehand, you're it, screwed. Right. That's all right. But no, you're right. And you know, just because I wrote the book and these tips doesn't mean I adhere to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? You got some more? There? I got some more. I have a yeah. whole bunch of them here. Um, all right, here's, uh, I'm just going to go kind of in order. Okay. Pro tip number seven. When you send more than one song for a musician yeah. to learn, make sure all the music is in the same format, format and in one folder. Very good pro tip. I would also add, add song titles. Oh, track yeah. one, track two, track three right. begins to sound like the same thing when you're learning a song. And so right. if you have a, a name, even if it's called you know, brand X or any, just right. any, the name may change later on, but at least you have a reference point right? rather than track one or track no, two. No, that's a good point. Any, anything that you can do to help your, your, uh, people who you're, are going to play your music to spend your, their time learning the music rather than corralling it or renaming it or whatever, it's going to help you. So. I would also add actually, uh, and, and that's a big thing for me when I ask singer songwriters, if you can include, include a lyric sheet. Mm -hmm. So that I can sort of follow along with and what your words are. There's been, especially I've been, you know, you, you get to sing backing vocals too, Doug. 
when you're in the studio and someone says, okay, sing backup vocals, this happened actually to me where I started, I thought I knew what the words were. And as we started the backing vocal session, I was not singing the same <laughs> words as anybody else because that's what I thought it sounded like. Uh-huh. And so it was a slightly embarrassing moment, but then I was told that it wasn't, it wasn't Italian complaints, it was tallied up complaints. Oh. But in the context of the song or in the context of what I was given as a demo, I had to come up, I had to figure it out, you know? Yeah. So a lyric sheet is also very helpful. <laughs> Pro tip number 32. Can't stress how important this is. If you have a partner who's glad you have work on New Year's Eve, then you have found a keeper. And I have to say, <laughs> I have found a keeper. Yes. Thanks, Jocelyn. Jocelyn's awesome. Yeah. Can we, can, do you want to share her quote from this morning? or not uh, really? She wanted to make sure that everyone knows that drummers make the best lovers. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Debbie Boone? De Pat, Pat Boone. Pat Boone. Boone Debbie Boone. Boone. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's like. The, so that's like that that Ten Thousand Maniacs tune. It's like the very beginning. It starts what, off. What Pat with, Boone Debbie Boone? Yeah. On the, yeah. Their, their big hit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. I can't. There's a million songs that start like yeah, um, superstitious, thing. superstition. Pat, 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 You know. Pro tip number forty-two: No matter how terrible you thought the show was, mm. when somebody tells you they enjoyed it, just say thank you. Yeah. This takes a long time. Musicians are their worst and most vicious critics. Yeah. Um, and it was really a lame thing when you give somebody a compliment and they go, "Ah, oh, well, I missed this part and oh, I did yeah, this." Right. I was very guilty of that for a long time, and it takes a. It, that's it's just easier to say thank you. Yeah, you can yes. internalize and go over and practice in your sleep when you get home, or <laughs> go over all the things that you did wrong. But when someone gives you a compliment, always say yes, thank you. thanks. And it's it's funny that you bring that up because somebody uh, who who bought the book sent me an email and said and 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 said you know that t tip in particular. Uh, uh, struck him because he he did that recently and said hey great show and the person said ah rah, rah, rah. and he said he felt like an idiot right you know he felt he felt like oh well maybe I didn't really know what was going you know he yeah. he felt uh, disrespected you know sure. his opinion as disrespected it can be tough to take yeah. a compliment sometimes yeah, yeah. especially if they're, like everything is working against you, like the acoustic, you know. Yeah, just, the sound. Aside sure. from a bad performance, it's like you can't hear. Like you don't, you have no idea. Right. I guess it was good, or maybe it was good. Right. I mean, but still, at the end of the day, you just have to kind of yeah suck it up. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you liked it. That's uh, that's a great way to say. I'm yeah. glad. I'm, I think, I'm glad you really liked it. Is a great Th way. Thank yeah. you for coming. Thank you Indeed. for supporting our our, our music. It really means even a though lot. we sucked. <laughs> even though we <laughs> sucked. No, I started off saying, "Oh, that was terrible." Right. And, you know, yeah, what, I did that. That's too. That's not a nice thing to say to somebody when they're genuinely giving yeah. you a compliment. Right. And in and in this kind of dovetails into um, pro tip number forty three, which is always thank the sound engineer. Oh yeah. Yeah. No matter if you, you 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 might no matter if you had a bad night or or what always thank that guy or or woman or whatever right. thank the bartender thank the door guy more people you thank that'll stick in people's heads right we yeah. I, I've you know I'm ripping off from earlier podcasts when you know just be nice to everybody say yeah. thank you yeah. say please yeah. be yeah. That, be humble be humble and kind be humble and, and kind. it really goes a long go. long way <laughs> say thank you and write thank you notes I mean I'm. It's really, it's, it's such an important thing in the arts in general. You know, people ask people for the, you know, certain, um, when someone asks you 
you know, f to, to do something. And, um, and you're doing them a favor and they don't acknowledge it later. It's really, right. it's weird. It's like, yeah, do I really want to do something for them? I mean, regardless of how much money or no money they pay you, but a good thank you and that mm. gesture of, of, hey, right. it means a lot to me and thank you. Yeah. Well, and nobody's. I try to thank the booker, you know. Yeah. Thanks for giving us the opportunity, you know. Right. Yeah. Nobody's making a lot of money. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you and, know. And, and you never get beyond that, ever. Right. Because eventually, even if you're at the pinnacle of your success, you'll eventually <laughs> go in the other way at some right. point. And so you have to meet the same people. Which, That's, which pro tip I, is that? I don't you know. Meet, yeah, you meet the same. It's all in there. It's, it's all in there. <laughs> all right, um, I got one. Yeah. Uh, are you done? I, was gonna, you, I, one, I just had one more and then I'll relinquish the floor. <laughs> Sorry to take up all this That's time. That's all right. Um, Pro tip number 41, always advance the show mm. and bring an extra cable and a 9-volt battery and the contract and this lamp. <laughs> um, in the case of drummers, especially if you're doing fly gigs where you're flying somewhere and playing a rental kit, I, I can't leave my house without at least some felts in the stick bag, some tape, some you know, electrical tape, extra drum key. You can't really travel with a leather man a lot of times because it has right. a blade, but some sort of tools... I can't stress enough, electrical tape of some kind, gaff tape. They're, they make them in small rolls. They fit in your stick bag. And that, what, do, that, what do you use that for? To muffle a drum, to well, <clears throat> mostly to muffle a drum. Or to, there's a loose part. A lot of times rental kits are in pretty decent shape, but you don't have a lot of, you know, bring a thing of moon, moon gel is these little easy blue things that you stick on a drum and it mutes the drum. Rather than trying to you know cover the thing in electrical tape or asking someone for gaff tape that's going to screw up the drum head, have that kind of stuff with you. Bring and the felts too. Sometimes a cymbal you don't want a or or, or a cymbal sleeves, so you don't want the cymbal to be metal touching on metal. And sometimes you might get a kit that doesn't have a sleeve. You know, bring it's not that hard to bring a little right. baggie, a Ziploc baggie of just a few extra things. Mm -hmm. Exactly, uh, I found. Well, one story is that I was in Australia with, with this MC Frontalock guy, and they, the rental company forgot to add a snare drum to the... So I had extra toms, but not a snare drum. The bar owner calls up his... Hey, man, you know, the drummer needs a drummer needs a drum, <laughs> the snare drum down here. And, uh, you know, but I'll give you a six-pack if you bring the drum. Well, the six-pack was worth more than the snare drum that he brought. <laughs> but luckily, I had some tape and some felts, and I had some things that I brought with me, and I was able to, you know, tune it up and put some strategic tape in places and, and made it work. Got you know? it working, yeah. 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 <laughs> and never complain about the rental kit either. Mm. Keep that to yourself. Yeah. 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 Good advice. Yeah, don't make your problem other people's problems, you know, right. and I think that that's a... Big one. Um, you know, JJ, you covered a lot of ground there. Yeah, I'm not, sorry I don't, about no, that. no, 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 no. It's all good. It's all good. And I think that if I were to add one, and I could extrapolate on what you've said, and it's pro tip number fourteen: <laughs> take a breath right before you start a solo. I uh -huh. mean, or before you even start to play. Like just right. having the presence of mind. Like really get into a more relaxed place so that you're really on it. And and to your point, make yourself comfortable. Like, learn what you need. Know what you need to hear in your headphones right. and ask oh, yeah. for it. <laughs> and a lot of times it's like, bring the vocal down. I need to hear the acoustic guitar. Right. Because mm -hmm. that's where the eighth note is. That's what's going to teach me what the song, what the, the song's eighth note, right. uh, how much swing or how straight it is. And that's what's going to create the feel the best. 
that's what I asked for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think just no, sort of being be, being calm and 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 steady. Take a breath and, and know what you need. Take a breath and know what you need. Yeah, and breathe. You may not get what you fill. want. Is that what? Breathe through your drum fill. Oh yeah. yeah don't yeah. hold your breath. You know, don't tense your jaw. Yeah. Drop your. You know, just do. Th- and you got to practice this stuff. It doesn't just. Right. It's a. You know. So right. along with. It seems tip. funny to have to practice breathing, but you you do. Yeah. You know, so if you're singing, you know, you're learning a song, you have to learn how to breathe through yeah. the song to yeah. sing it. Mm-hmm. Same when you when you know when you play it. Same sure. idea. Well, that seems like a good place to stop after all those pro tips. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, gentlemen, uh, for coming in and being guests on the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. Well, thank you, Jim. It's an honor. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So we let's uh, let's play a song uh, that we will use for the outro music. Here's a little Los Lobos tune. listening to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast, practical advice for an impractical business. Special thanks to my guests, Doug Clavin and J.J. O'Connell. You can find out more about what they're up to by visiting them on Facebook. To order your copy of the Pro Tips book or to make a one-time only donation to the podcast, go to protipsformusicians.com. To become a sustaining podcast patron, patreon.com slash Jim Henry. Thanks for listening. Time is now.